Good evening and welcome to Court Games, a podcast for the L5R community funded by the L5R Discord Patreon. My name is Jeannie Calvar, also known as Kakita Kaori, and from the LCG side of Court Games. Konnichiwa, everyone. This is Trevor Cuba, also known as Kikita Odiamaro, also called that guy who just won't shut up on Facebook. And joining us today, we have a very special guest. Some call him Spooky. Some call him Bobby. Some call him Robert Denton III because, you know, hierarchical names are a thing that people do. <laughs> Introducing Robert Denton. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Hi. Welcome on Court Games. It's really great to have you. Uh, now that we have you in our clutches, we may not let you go for a while. <laughs> That's fine by me. It's uh, it's an honor to be here. Well, I gotta wonder, if th- is this really Court Games anymore? Because, Jeannie, you're Crane. I'm Crane. Bobby, we all know you're Crane. So this is the officially the Crane cast. Welcome to the Crane That's cast, right. everybody. <laughs> this is... <laughs> this is the crane whatever. Uh, <laughs> keeping it on subject. And we're just terribly polite to each other and... Um, you know, produce podcasts when we take the throne. <laughs> More like the Crane Clan cuckoo. <laughs> oh, hold on a second. I've got, I've got cat and lap. Okay, all right, I'm good now. <laughs> so, how are y'all doing today? <laughs> we are doing great, thank you. Uh, the rest of our cast is going to be so jealous. Kovar and Stilfer are both from the UK, so they could not be with us. They also both play Aww. dragons, so uh, you know. <laughs> they're not invited well what's the what's the normal clan spread then if not uh is it just like two cranes and two dragons yes yes on oh. both the podcasts the lcg side is, two, uh, is a crane and a dragon and the rpg side is a crane and a dragon it's good dueling format in any event we really were extremely happy to have you on today because uh you you wrote something a week ago and and it's kind of been the buzz on discord for some reason so uh we wanted to see if we could grab you and ask you a few questions about it i hope you don't mind oh i don't mind at all i'm glad to talk about uh basically whatever <laughs> <laughs> well be- before we get to the story which was like really good i want to know more about you spooky as if i already know the story uh already and stuff but for our audience please uh who is robert denton III? where do you come from who are you well um i am an aspiring uh writer uh of uh, speculative fiction and i'm a graphic designer uh for board games and card games and things like that I live in Southwest Virginia with my wife and my cats and uh, in the middle of the woods. And uh, I graduated from Radford University and uh, been big into L5R for a long time. I wrote for the old AEG story team. I wrote uh, for the old RPG, uh, fourth edition RPG, did some layout work for it too. And I'm lucky enough to continue to write for L5R now. I guess one of the things that I'm known for for the current L5R game would be the Phoenix Clan novella, which is my first published novella and hopefully not my last. And congratulations on that. Thank you. I was so proud and happy of you to see your novella get published uh, last year. It was such an amazing moment. I haven't watched you personally go from a guy who was like, kind of like had no aspirations of writing whatsoever to like, hey, you know what? I'm going to enter a fanfic contest to now we're here, you're one of the most steady writers for L5R, uh, multiple publications out right now. Living the dream, man. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> it feels nice. I uh, never thought I would uh, 
get this far uh so it feels it feels really good and i hope i can keep doing that dear penthouse i never thought it would happen to me <laughs> i never thought um never thought it would happen but um i'm glad it did and, th- and that's a story can you tell uh, the listeners about uh how the the infamous crane clan uh fanfic contest led you to joining the story sure team? um it's uh it's not a it's not an especially uh long story but um i guess the i guess like uh oh geez i don't know what year it would have been maybe 2010 2011 maybe uh there was a um there was a fan fiction contest on home of the crane clan which i think is still up yes ah thanks to thanks to trevor's determination and <laughs> andrew kim's uh patience <laughs> As, as the guy who owns and operates that website, I can promise it is still up right now. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> so, like, uh, yeah, the um, there 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 was a sponsored uh, fan fiction contest, which was basically to write a uh, a fiction, any fiction you wanted, but it had to be about the uh, it had to be about the homebrewed characters of the two site uh, admins. And so, uh, what I did was I wrote one of the side admins was, uh, Ben Higgins and the other one was Daniel. Um, I just called him Danny. Uh, but they, um, so what I did was I wrote a fiction about, uh, about, uh, Ben losing an argument to an infamous member of the forums, uh, and then committing suicide at his desk by poisoning uh, and, uh, you know, his body, uh, not being discovered for weeks later. And that fiction got really popular. It won the contest. I was horrified to discover that it had won. <laughs> horrified? Well, really? Well, it's like, so. oh God, please don't let this be the one that I'm <laughs> remembered for. <laughs> and, uh, the, then I got, uh, contacted by Fred Wan, who was the continuity editor for, uh, the AEG story team. And he, uh, he asked me to try out he said he was impressed with the fiction and wanted me to try out for the aeg's uh, l5r story team so i did uh i wrote my tryout fiction was fortune of horses which eventually got published i recall Mm -hmm. that one uh i also was asked to to write a story prize uh for the um turquoise championship and how i would have handled that story prize so with those two fictions uh, I went to Gen Con that year and learned that I had uh, placed, basically I'd placed second. They had done a blind... So you didn't even win. No, I didn't even win. <laughs> I had gotten a, I got second place. They had basically taken the names off of everybody and gave like a point value system and I was second place. First place was uh, Yoon Ha Lee uh, and there was just no competing with Yoon Ha Lee that, I mean... Amazing <laughs> Oh my runner. god, yeah. Uh, Yoon's uh, awesome space opera series is definitely one to check out, by the way. It's really, really good. Yes. It's got a lot in common with L5R in, in the best ways. But um, so I didn't, but just to hear that I'd play second was really encouraging. And they told me that I should keep writing and keep trying. Uh, the last day of Gen Con, Fred contacted me and said that there had been a second opening on the team and would I like to join? I recall this. (laughs) So that's how it happened. I had no idea, and it felt good. I have to say, you know, I went from pretty encouraging to a dream come true. 
it has been almost a decade, but if you recall, like me and you, uh, Robert, we have a history of hanging out at Gen Con, which is mostly getting some drinks and like complaining about the story. Yep. <laughs> uh, and that started at that Gen Con. And you came to me as like, hey, guess what? I'm going to be on the story team. And this is back at the, well, people on Facebook might know I like to post live events while I'm there and try to post a lot of things. And I got you to take a picture with me and we wrote a little blurb out and stuff. And as I'm sitting there typing things up and about to hit the post button, AEG announces, oh, Robert Dad is joining the story team. It's like, they scooped me. <laughs> oh, man. They they told me that I was, um, that they would announce it like in a coming month or something. And then they just did it that oh, day. <laughs> that sounds like AEG. <laughs> So um, they have a uh, reputation for hanging around the crane forums for that because uh, I think it was probably not that generation because uh, I think Nancy was already writing at that point. Yeah. But Nan- Nancy and I were both uh, recruited and uh, and she got the slot, which was great. Anyway, it was really good and you've written some great stories, especially your Halloween stories. I think that those are particularly gourmet. <laughs> Now, whenever we do a fiction contest, we have to put a disclaimer that says, like, this is not an entry to joining the official story team. <laughs> this is just for fun, guys. That's uh, okay. It leaves me no competition. I can just post fiction up on the Crane Forum and no one reads it, so it's okay. <laughs> I read it. Oh, good. Somebody reads it. <laughs> People read your fictions. You should definitely... They're so long. You should definitely, like, keep writing and keep posting, because people read. Absolutely, they do. Also, uh, you have no room to complain about length of fictions because word count is my nemesis, personally speaking. Oh, well, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, Melissa, Marsh, and I have been working on this this ongoing saga for the last year that has been is ridiculously long, just just utterly ridiculous. And we've probably got another year of writing left to go on it because <laughs> I'm slow. <laughs> But that's fan fiction, and we've got real story fiction to talk about. We can steer it back that way. Um, did you have any other questions before we tackle this uh, this story? That uh... I, I don't have a question, but I do have an anecdote just so I can fur, uh, further embarrass myself. Oh, Bob. boy. Uh, Robert Denton <laughs> is the only man in history that I mentally c- categorize as an ex-girlfriend. Thank you, Winter Court, for... <laughs> You're welcome. Your legacy haunts me forever. Yeah. Hey, uh, if that, I'm trying to think, I think it was Winter Court. I was, I started at, like, I was a player for Winter Court 1 and Winter Court 2. Then I moved to GM for Winter Court 3 and Winter Court 4. I wasn't supposed to be, like, a constant GM. I was supposed to be, like, an occasional GM and somehow ended up role-playing four, five characters. <laughs> yeah, we lost count of how many characters oh you were. Oh, my God. Uh, not to pull the curtain aside too much for that game, but... Uh, the final princess, uh, whoever won like the princess's heart or whatever, uh, ultimately came down to a vote between everybody, and I think everybody liked the scorpion guy best, if I remember correctly, that's why she won. Like, I remember waking up the next day and getting like the, this is the person who won, and being like, okay... He, he had the most recent storyline and it had the most dramatic effect because he was at the sort of like, oh, hey, this really popular character just exploded into an Oni and went on a rampage at town. So he was kind of fresh in people's mind when the voting came around. There's also like the, um, 
I thought the crab guy also did a good job too. Honestly, all of her suitors did a good job. But I I was like looking at them and going, okay, that's interesting because I'm remembering like how his story went with her. And I'm like, this could be taken the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> now, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, uh, Alpha had used to do a thing called the Winter Court, which was an online play-by-post in which uh, people would be selected to play certain characters. And for a span of about two months, in heavy quotation marks, <laughs> uh, you would just put a role-play as your character on the specialized forum. I say the two months in quotation marks because this thing frequently went <laughs> way, way, way yeah, too Yeah, like, long. I don't... I don't mean to like. Ex- I don't think it's an exaggeration. It might be a slight one, but I'm pretty sure the last one was uh, took like two and a half years. <laughs> it certainly felt that <laughs> way. And I remember before we realized that you were playing like 83 characters, I was literally in a situation where I was talking to you about you, waiting for you to show up. <laughs> yup, that happened. <laughs> oh my god. I unfortunately missed all of that. I just got to D in Winter Court Five, which was after all that it had all all the official ones ended. So I actually think it would be cool if they did that again, but I wouldn't if it were up to me, it wouldn't be a winter court deal. It would be like an Emerald Championship or a Jade Championship or a just a lesser court or something like that. There's just so much going on. Players are sort of expected to generate content at those sorts of games, but in reality, you need both like GM generated and player generated events. And in a smaller, more intimate event, people would actually be able to get more screen time without having to juggle everything around. If it were up to me, there would be something like that. If I was going to suggest it anyway, if it was going to be redone. It seems to me like FFG is going for some role. RPG events, but not of that sort of scale. Yeah. The way that they have done a wedding at Cote Castle seems to be how they how how they're doing it, where they judging on the final outcome. I actually got to play in that at Gen Con, and it was a blast. It was really good. It looked very interesting from what I read of the story afterwards. I don't want to spoil anything for listeners who haven't played through it yet. But when I, after we played, they told us that the results would be aggregated, and I got super nervous. As a crane player, I went, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) We won, I think. Did we? Yeah, they they published the results, the aggregated results. How did I miss that? What What happened? And they're on there, and I think the crane overall did very well. I can't remember exactly. I, I I can't. Re- they didn't publish it and just say Crane won, but it was it was like <laughs> that'd well, be a great update. Else yeah, I, I I don't want to give away the results, but they said who lived and who died and who was in control of the lands, and it was generally positive for the crane. It'd be great if you clicked through and it was just like a big old crane mon. <laughs> it's like Crane won. <laughs> the crane cast wins again. Yeah, eat it. I believe, crane won. I, I believe the. I believe the wedding was successful. Uh, that ah. was planned. Okay. That was disrupted. So it was more or less successful. Now, I do remember it could have gotten worse because I remember like murder at Kyotai Castle <laughs> from the old game. So it's like, uh oh. <laughs> so it could have gone worse. Different timeline could have gone worse. Remember Katrina Ostrander, she keeps uh, posting 
things on Twitter, and she was like, oh, we're look at this lovely wedding. It's going to happen. What's going to happen? And I'm like, what? Nothing bad ever happens in a Rokugan wedding. No, of course not. <laughs> till, the, till the crab get into the sake, and then problems start occurring. It's true. So anyway, uh, more recently, something has happened in the fiction of L5R, which I have not seen happen in many years, and that is something happened. <laughs> say this but yeah we've had probably a year or more of everybody watching as something very very slowly is moving towards a meat grinder and we're all wincing <laughs> waiting for it to hit and and you got to write it hitting it does kind of feel like the uh it does kind of feel like we've spent the last year or two years uh like setting up and now stuff is finally happening and moving forward. Oh, yeah. Like I said, I don't want to be a negative Nancy, but it has felt like a whole lot of treading water only to, is like, hey, what's that wave that's cresting over the horizon? Oh, my God! <laughs> At last. At last. Yes, it has moved inland slowly. But on the other hand, uh, there is a lot of good information about all the characters. There's a lot of characters that we can feel for or feel about, which uh, draws us in so... And you know, I'm going to say right here for uh, for listeners, uh, I think we're it's pretty safe to say we're going to get into pretty heavy spoilers for the most recent fiction, uh, which is called Oh my God, The Last Stone Played. Yay! Ha! You know the name. <laughs> so yes, the the fiction is The Last Stone Played. We are going to spoil the heck out of it and all of the other fictions that go ahead of it, of which. Uh, Robert has written more than one, and we'll talk about some of those other ones that lead up to it. Yeah, specifically we're going to talk about The Last Unplayed, Tiger Stalks His Prey, and Imperial Gifts. So, Robert, um, starting off with Imperial Gifts, tell me your impressions of the story. Whatever you can tell us about, I should say. Starting with Imperial Gifts? Yes. Yeah, that's the earliest one, right? Uh, yeah, like that was the, um, I believe that was the one where uh, we learn about uh, Kunshu and um, what Satori does when he's alone. <laughs> yes, with the we have Satori playing with pulling out the most sacred sword in the empire and playing at it imagine he's fighting ninjas or bandits or whatever much like a five-year-old does and this is a person who is like past his genpuku at this point am i right uh uh oh yeah by that point in the story absolutely he was yeah of course something that i might point out in the last stone played whenever he looks at the sword whenever he's near the sword he feels better like he feels more comfortable throughout the whole fiction his and something that we learned from um tiger stalks his prey and and uh and so forth is that he has problems compartmentalizing his thoughts he has problems like he gets too many thoughts at once and he just feels like he's drowning but when he's near the sword it's calming for him so now i'll recall him sneaking out to take the sword and you know play with it like a like like some kind of toy that's a soothing thing for him mm -hmm. while his brother and uh shahai make fun of him from afar for doing the thing that is comforting to him satori is just playing around like a five-year-old and daisetsu was hanging out with his hot uh girl uh goth girlfriend on the mountaintop like look at this tool 
but you know, he's <laughs> just like, you want an example that Bushido is dumb? Look at that window. Yeah. <laughs> Empire's ruined. We should burn it all down. <laughs> Man, Daisetsu doesn't play around, does he? <laughs> um, but interesting thing about Satori, uh, and you've written him a couple of times, and without getting into any kind of spoilers or anything, um, his, Satori's mental state has been something of an issue that's being discussed. Can you speak anything like that? We've seen some people where it's like he had might have some sort of, uh, he may he, perhaps he's just extremely spoiled, like a Joffrey situation. Um, he may have some sort of anger management. Um, personally, I've got a sense of him. He's got a sense of. Uh, what they call affluenza, where a per person grows up who is so pampered, he cannot operate as a normal person anymore. Um, like, I could see that. Like, when you are growing up as a child as the imperial heir, and you are told constantly, hey, you're the most important person in the empire. There's no one more important than you. You're more important than your dad, actually, because you are the future of the empire. And that guy there in the corner of the of the courtroom, that's the greatest duelist in the Empire. He's killed 55 people in duels. He's never lost a duel. He, he can murder everyone in this courtroom faster than even our guards can react. And he has to do what you say because you are the greatest person in the Empire. Like, you're growing up with this. I feel like that would mess you up a little bit. I feel like that would kind of... Uh, kind of affect who you are and how you think uh in some ways i see i don't think we're supposed to like satori necessarily but i do personally see him as like a tragic figure because he doesn't have a normal life even in the context of samurai he doesn't have like he didn't grow up in a normal situation he grew up with for all evidence that we have a distant father uh, so being told that heaven's axle turns around him, you know, like I can honestly see, I think that would mess you up a little bit. I'm, I'm not really like a psychologist. I'm not comfortable like saying that Satori is like, you know, um, there, there, some of the evidence from the various stories that, uh, you and others have written have indicated that like on top of his kind of like affluenza like really spoiled upbringing where he's like hyper sheltered in a very unique manner and stuff there seems to be something like within him also kind of edging him beyond because Daisetsu he has grown up in like he knows he's like as far as he know he will never have the throne he's kind of been sheltered from that experience to a degree but we don't necessarily have evidence of a long line of emperors behaving this way you know satori does seem to be something of a unique figure in the way he's reacting to yeah. he certainly has a an immaturity about him that you know for for his age uh without without any question and it's oh, yeah. it doesn't take much to be somewhat different from the rest of the emperors that comes along and some of the tools that you could use to counter that uh, difference uh, wouldn't be available to you because you're in the situation where you're, you know, the future emperor and everybody, people aren't able to help you through that because it takes some more control to do that. Yeah. Now, if you go by the Discord, there's a lot of, oh, he's possessed, but I don't think you've given us anything for that. <laughs> unless you have. Wow, people people think he's possessed? 
already. <laughs> oh, people huh. have been gossiping about it. It's like, Interesting. oh, this part is in italics and this part isn't. And therefore, this part means he's possessed by somebody. Mm. But. Uh, I think it's going to be kind of difficult, especially for people who are familiar with the old lore. I think there's there there are people who sort of, I don't know if they want the old lore to be the truth or if they... They want like they're they're looking for ways that it can turn and become the old lore, but I do think it's kind of hard for people who are familiar with the old lore to like divide characters as they are portrayed in the current timeline and characters as they were betray or portrayed before. Uh, One of the things I think uh, Fantasy Flight's been really successful with this story reboot is so far everybody has been uh, brought up right up to the line of where they were. To the clan wars, generally speaking, but just different enough, but so you can go, oh, you know what? This can go very similar how it went the first time, or this could go very different. Yeah. Especially when you consider like some of the plot points from the original team, which you know, let's give them credit. Like the original story team, as it was, was a lot of people just kind of making things up on the fly and got, just making things up as they went along and only codify things later. But as they did the original, uh, you know, lead up to the clan wars and the days of thunder and stuff, just making things up and nothing actually makes any sense. Uh-huh. So <laughs> this is a great way to like do things and like, oh, we can go a completely different direction and have it like be a more cohesive tale this time. Oh yeah. I don't know if you've been following. There's a very good podcast called Garbage of the Five Rings that's been diving headfirst into the original lore of the of the old game and just like, wh- wh- how does any of this even make sense? Like, you have to have a certain amount of schadenfreude to really appreciate <laughs> <laughs> being shotgunned with all the old lore all at once. That said, the old lore as it happened, for all its faults, did manage to sustain the game for 20 years, so... Did they uh, have they touched upon John Wick's last letter to um, to L five R? Last I checked, and I believe uh, I think tomorrow they're going to have the next episode. Big shout out to Garbage of the Five Rings; they do really good over there. Amelia and Jude do. Last they did, they talked about Hida Kasada, you know, the man who had literally one job, <laughs> failing that job by marching a uh, the Shadowlands into the Empire to confront the Emperor in which he is broken like a twig. And then there are, like, literally a dozen different accounts of how Yakimo, who has a crab arm, removes the crab arm and gets a, uh, the, was it, the jade hand or the... The jade hand, yeah. Or I guess it's called the jade fist or whatever because it's always clenched. It's, it is the jade oven mitt because if you look at the original art, it is clearly an oven oh, mitt yes. <laughs> attached to his arm. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> So that is where they are right okay. now. And I believe the previous episode they did, we talked about, oh, the Battle of Biden Pass, a, a battle that lasted for like a couple of years and had many different factions but jumping in and out and ultimately had no lasting effect. And that's kind of like, you know, I say this with, uh, you know, a little bit of sarcasm, but you see this kind of tendency in all five of our storylines where, oh, we have, you know, this big quote-unquote dramatic event happened here, this quote-unquote dramatic event here, but ultimately doesn't affect anything or matter, which is why I really like the recent fiction we have, The Last Stone Played, because no matter what, things have happened the barometer is going to move and it can't like not move at this point well for that matter like the cote season the the 2019 cote season's um prize is kunshu hmm. so do you want kunshu now 
that it's been used to kill well, an emperor? I, I, I will say this, and keep in mind, Spooky has not told me anything at all. This is all speculation on me. But before the season, it was like, oh, whoever wins the Kunshu season is going to get Kunshu to, uh, to present to the heir of the throne. Well, now whoever the heir of the throne is in highly questioned, so that's a much more covetous position, <laughs> I would imagine. That would probably give them some clout. Like, it's it's just nice to have, like, a story prize that um that like may impact something because like if we look back uh it's 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 not immediately obvious which uh player prizes impacted the storyline for ffg's continuity but if you like now that we're at this point looking back you can see well if it wasn't for the very first story prize about may shoto shahai wouldn't be in the imperial capital the whole Meishoto angle and all of the things that it's impacted so far wouldn't be there. So players lay literally laid foundation that has built up to now, for one thing. So it's just interesting to see like what uh, what's what this will go forward with the Kote season and whoever wins Kunshu. Now that we now that Kunshu has been involved in something rather major, it will be interesting to see what happens. Like I don't know, I can't tell you exactly what the what the story impact will be either, but. Uh, I have to imagine it will be something. Well, you did kind of give a little, maybe not a hint because you don't know who it will fall to, but you did mention something along the lines of how the fate of the blade becomes the fate of its master, and then you do couple that with a Kodo's blade. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was noted that uh, a Kodo broke his old blade because uh, uh, any blade that had uh, taken the blood of family could not be revered. So when you couple those two prophecies side by side, uh, well, y- you left us some groundwork even if you aren't giving hints. <laughs> also, if anyone has been a fan of The Last Province podcast, which you host with Daniel Tickle and George Min? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Listeners would go back and realize, like, wow, he's had, like, three episodes where he's talking about the history of swords. I wonder what this is all about. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Maybe he isn't just a big sword nerd. He is. I am. Uh, <laughs> I actually think that the the episode about the Ancestral Clan swords was our best, ep- one of our best episodes, at least. I think it was. It turned out pretty well. We only rambled about uh, inconsequential things for half of that episode. <laughs> But, but I mean, the only time I am not happy with a show is when you and Dan and George say, hey, you know what, guys, what you want to do? Let's talk about cards and card strategy. And I just <laughs> die on the inside. <laughs> uh, you're not the first person to tell us that, believe it or not. What are your favorite types of stories to write? Did you like writing the novella the best? Uh, Phoenix stories in general the best? Or your Halloween type? What kind of themes and stuff are the s- kinds of stories you enjoy writing the most? Oh, that's a tough question. I really love, I especially love writing um, horror. So the Halloween fictions are up there. Uh, I always kind of, I don't know, I started out, I it's, it sounds weird to say this, but I started out writing horror, like for stories for myself. So I really like writing uh, that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. What are you your know. horror inspirations? You like video games, movies, novels? What is, what's, your, what's your poison? Well, I do like a lot of horror movies, but only like a specific type. Uh, I feel like a lot of modern horror does more uh, terror than actual horror or thriller more than actual horror. 
to me, like, to be a real horror story, the protagonist has to effectively be helpless. And a lot of uh, modern horror is more, I guess, terrifying than horrifying. Mm. Um, I I would say a certain vein of surrealist horror movies are, are inspirations for me. Uh, some horror uh, books are also an inspiration. When I was growing up, I used to... Uh, read Tales from the Crypt and The Vault of Horror and uh, that kind of stuff. The old EC comics were being reprinted when I was growing up, and I think that was like a big influence on me. That stuff was not so much horrifying as it was campy and over the top, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a good horror story is like a joke. It's like it's got the setup, it's got the buildup, and then it's got the punchline. But the difference is the punchline is terrible and awful and haunts you. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess like any story like that, I really enjoyed. I also, I guess I like to write, uh, I like to write stuff where I guess characters, this is kind of hard to, to explain, but like where characters have to second guess their, uh, like the premise for who they are. Because mm-hmm. I've had to do that a lot when I was younger. Robert, the things that I like about your stories more than anyone else, I think you have a real talent for not only just getting into the heads of a character, but the emotional state that they're in and finding the line of reasoning of what they're doing and why they're doing it at this particular instance. I really appreciate that. Thank you. But uh, I do have to say my uh, editors are probably mostly to thank for that. (laughs) Like Katrina's really really good she challenges me in ways that uh you know when i'm writing for myself i don't think about and any story that turns out really well it's because katrina had uh, a lot of uh, helpful things to say and, and excellent guidance In the most recent story, in The Last Stone Played, the character whose head I was really enjoying being in, that I think you did a very good job of, was in Kachiko's, just because uh, she always, especially in, in old 5R, but in, in new 5R, up to, up to this moment, it's always, she always got the plan, she always knows what she's doing, she knows everything, you never see her waver or be unconfident or anything like this and here it starts all falling apart and i just love that turn (laughs) where you see everything fall apart in her hands and she's just scrambling for the pieces i really liked it because again to uh mention the garbage of the five rings they brought this up looking at the old lore kachiko and you can say this a scorpion at the uh for all times is you know those they're scheming they're planning they're like, what's their move? And then they get caught every five minutes. And they're like, ah, this is part of our old plan all along and stuff. Cool. And they're following the, the, the story of Kachiko and the moves that she's making. And at the end of the day, it's like, lady, what is your plan? What are you trying to do? It makes no sense. If whatever it was, you failed five <laughs> times over. It's wheels within wheels. Ooh. <laughs> I don't know. So what do you think of Kachiko? So I like Kachiko uh, as a character. Uh, to a certain extent, there are things about Kach- that old school Kachiko that I personally find problematic. But I'm setting that aside. I don't think we're. I don't think that uh, Kachiko is necessarily a good guy when the story begins. I think she becomes a good guy in the old Five R when the story ends. 
and I think it'll time will tell how she ends up in this retelling and this reimagining of L5R. I I actually like her as a character. This is the first time I've really got to sit down and write uh, Kachiko, and I really I really do like her a lot. I think she's an interesting character. I do think that uh, the player base is a little unfair to her right now, uh, based on the story. I do think she screwed up, and I think when she screwed up, it hurt the Scorpion. She acted on bad intelligence. She acted on bad, like, uh, she didn't know everything that we know. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, some of the things people are saying, I think is a little unfair. There was someone on the forums, because I check the forums when the fiction comes out, just mm. to see how people react. I think I saw a comment where someone was like straight up blaming her for like the death of the emperor or something. And I'm like, what? no, she just <laughs> discovered she didn't. People have pointed out. They're like, Hey, what the hell this she's twisting this to the scorpions benefit. But honestly, I think most, most samurai would do that. Most clan, if it had been like Doji Hotaru, she absolutely would have other than doing her duty. She would have twisted that circumstance to benefit the crane if it had been Wichi Shahai she would have twisted that situation to benefit Daisetsu or herself or her clan Any anyone who comes into that situation the only samurai I can think of that wouldn't have done that would have been like Akoto Totori and I knew it was Totori because he's boring uh, Kaide probably wouldn't have done it maybe uh, Sukune wouldn't have because she's Still, you know, she's not jaded by leadership yet. <laughs> well, not everyone has a cleanup crew. <laughs> <laughs> also true. Con- conveniently stashed in their hairpin. Um. True. Call, call that call the John Wick cleanup crew. <laughs> Party for five. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, well, we just do this a lot. It was a, it made sense to invest in this service. When I saw that scene, I kept thinking of uh, 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 Pulp Fiction, where. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they coming in as like, does this look like dead emperor storage? Does this look so like dead like, emperor storage? Because what I have a dead emperor. <laughs> <laughs> My inspiration for that scene. Have you ever seen um, Curse of the Golden Flower? Nope, that's a good movie. But it is okay. a. There is a scene at the end. The last scene of that movie is this gigantic battle that happens in like the Forbidden Palace's uh, courtyards. And there are bodies and blood everywhere, and it's just this, it's a giant bloodbath. Then when the battle is over, an army, a second army comes. It is an army of servants, and they just sweep away the bodies. They replace all the broken pots of flowers with new ones. And it is literally like watching a tapestry be restored and wiped clean. Because you get this aerial shot of everything just being covered up by flowers. And that was such an impactful shot to me. We're going to just pretend that massacre never happened and cover it up with something pretty. That was not lost on me. And that was probably the image that was foremost in my mind when I was writing that. That's cool. I think everything that Kachiko did was eminently logical based on what she did. She is the kind of person that would certainly think of like what benefits her clan as well because she she's always keeping two plots in mind every conversation she has with the emperor or everything else she's got multiple plots in mind but she was very very logical and she was not stupid at all she just didn't quite have the right amount of information that said it was kind of nice to see her come down for 
for once. Well, I've always kind of thought that was a weird thing about the scorpion. Like you were saying, I, I basically agree with you that the the whole wheels within wheels thing and they never falter was kind of upsetting. That's like an upsetting part of the scorpion. I, I really liked the introduction of Mia Satoshi because he's like, so we have all these ninjas that are running around, or the quote-unquote ninjas, running around cleaning up the bodies, preparing the body, you know, a pre-planned thing. They're going through the Imperial Capital with all these tunnels that they know about. That's already disturbing enough. And they, do all the, and they make a perfect crime scene. And Satoshi just walks in here not under, uh, expecting anything. It's just like, Oh, hey, the Emperor's dead. Oh, wait, he was murdered. So he just knows. Yeah. <laughs> so it shows, like, the Scorpion are really good at this, but they're not perfect. They're not gods, you know? They're not infallible. All it took was, like, a one quick look over the body. It's like, oh, this man was murdered. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't think he had cotton in his <laughs> body before. <laughs> no, like, I agree. I think uh, there was an old... In Old 5R, one of the last storylines that uh, we did on the story team uh, had, like, the scorpion had provoked the lion into a war based on something that the champion, which in the old game was uh, Bayushi Natoshi, I think? Bayushi Natoshi, the the sociopath? Yes, the sociopath. Yes, him. He was, like, the... the sociopath, yeah. In the, like, he did... He had said something that upset the lion and his, uh, you know, his um, immediate, you know, higher up scorpion guys were like, oh, so obviously like this is a this we're supposed to be provoking the lion. This is a plan. So they do. And the lion declare war on the scorpion and get like the get the throne's endorsement. And they go back to him and they're like, hey, uh, we've done as you command, my lord. What is the the lion will, will be attacking? So what is next? What do we do now? And Atashi just goes, have you lost your freaking minds? <laughs> you provoked the lion? What are you doing? <laughs> what? No, I didn't want you to do that. Are you, are you kidding me? How dumb can you be? I don't have the plan for this. And on the outside, and on the outside, you know, the scorpion are all like, yes, all according to plan, wheels within wheels. But then like inside, they're like, oh, crap, we're screwed. <laughs> this is awful. So I think... Uh, it's nice that like to see that fallibility. I think it's important that the Scorpion are good enough at it that it is part of their theme and identity. Right. But you know, they shouldn't it shouldn't be like every time. I agree with you. I think it shouldn't be every time. Uh, I do like how central uh, the relationship uh, that Kachiko and Hutaru are having where Kachiko is searching to find out um, why would Soju not bring her in on this plan he already had going. And the only conclusion she can come up with was her relationship with Hotaru. So now on one hand, her uh, her relationship there is in question only because like not that she doubts Hotaru's feelings, but she's doubting how cool it is within her own clan with Soju, her husband. And then what we saw very early on with Hotaru, she's also very much into Kachiko. But the first thing she thinks of is like, I can't trust this woman as far as I could throw her. And also, I have a lot of questions of to what lengths would she go thinking she's helping me? Because Hotaru is like a question that was like, did Kachiko kill my father? Um, there's a question she doesn't want to ask because she doesn't want to know the answer to it. Yeah, exactly. Well, with Kachiko 
feelings there. It's, it's of course, it's got to be her relationship with Hataru Shoju's uh, might be suspicious of. It's not the fact that she was, you know, talking about taking out the throne uh, not <laughs> three months ago. <laughs> well, I feel like if I was like Shoju and I knew my wife was ambitious and acted on ambition then I feel like if I was going to be regent, I would tell her. Because that would surely satisfy her ambitions, I would hope. It'd be like, hey, we, we've we won, so put off the gas, maybe. Shogi, you're <laughs> saying the word ambition way too much right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like when I think of Kachiko, to me, that's like her big, that's her big motivation. She's very ambitious. Shame, shame sword aside. <laughs> <laughs> or blood sword, I guess. That was a blood sword, I guess. I thought that uh, Shoju wouldn't tell her just because she might hurry it along or <laughs> take it too far, <laughs> than, take it farther than he was willing to go because he didn't seem like he was overly enthusiastic about being in the position. Yeah, he did seem kind of hesitant to accept in that fiction. He didn't even want to take the go board. <laughs> To give you another compliment, I love how you have Kachiko sitting there playing with the fan that she got as a gift from Hotaru, being like, there's something I'm missing. Mm, what am I missing? Flip, flip, flip. Oh, I'm missing something. And it's like right in front of her. <laughs> uh, let's see, we're getting kind of long here, so let's wrap things up. Uh, Robert, Hello. The Last Stone played, Imperial Gifts, and also Tiger Stocks' play, which uh, Mr. Latterett wrote, but feeds heavily into this and stuff. What are your, like, how do you feel the story is right now, and what do you kind of, like, want players to think about moving forward? Like, what kind of interesting things would you want us to consider? Uh, well, I'm I'm just excited to see what, what may happen next. Uh, I think L5R is in... Uh, a really good spot narratively and uh, at the risk of uh, angering the old guard I've, I've come to prefer the new story over the old so uh, what I hope is that players will uh, or uh, and fans will read with, free from preconceived notions mm-hmm. like try not, I know all comparisons are odious and and whatnot but it's also hard not to compare the old with the new and in some cases the stories almost ask you to compare old versions with new versions my hope is that uh going forward players will treat the new l5r story as its own thing and and try not to use like what has come before in story uh, as an informing component of uh, the current story that's being told. Old lore, I consider personally to be true until it is contradicted, but as far as like the storyline is concerned, I hope that uh, players will read without preconceived notions, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Sounds good. Bobby, Spooky Electric, Robert Denton, thank you so much. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. Right. We did too. We did too. Uh, Jeannie, you want to sign us out? Yep. That's it for us this week. This was Kikita Kaori, and may the fortunes favor you. Sayonara. Sayonara.